0: trust who do you trust so awkward watching yourself walk up this yeah there we go thank you guys appreciate it who do you trust more importantly why do you trust them and if you're married you might say your spouse if if your bff is sitting next to you you might point to them but who do you trust trust has always been kind of a touchy subject in every society that exists. There's always areas that we trust, and it's not always that we trust people. You know, we trust institutions. We trust technology. Let me just ask you this. If you have a password to unlock your phone, raise your hand real high and keep them up for a minute. See how trust plays into that? It's not that you don't trust your phone. You trust if somebody finds your phone. You know what I'm saying? We deal with trust every day. So my question is this. When it comes... To trusting the Lord, what is that built on? When it comes to trusting God, what is that built on? And I'm not, I'm not talking about lip service this morning, church. I'm talking about genuine falling back and counting on Him to catch me because I got nothing left to stand on. Trust. When it comes to trusting the Lord, what is that built on? Faith. There you go. That I wasn't expecting an answer, but thank you for volunteering. I appreciate that. This. This morning, we are going to dive in. We're going to be in 1 Kings, and uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to be unpacking the life of one of these Old Testament heroes, and it starts with trust. It starts with where we're at this morning as we kind of look at that. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, and uh, we're going to be walking through this chapter today. It's 24 verses. Uh, I've got three points I want to pull out of each verse. You trust me, right? We're going to be walking through this passage today. We're going to be studying over the next three weeks, this and two more. We're going to be studying the man named Elijah. And while you're turning there, there's, there's not really much we know about Elijah coming into this thing. We have what we see in verse 1, which I'll read that quickly. It says, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. You literally have just been given the biographical background of Elijah as found in 1 kings. We know where he's from. Actually the most complete idea we see of who Elijah is we actually find in James. James chapter 5. Don't turn there uh, but James chapter 5 he writes about him. He said Elijah was a human being. So, for those of you who are doubting, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So, we actually see a little bit more about Elijah in the book of James in the New Testament than we do here, other than we see where he's from. Uh, but as we start walking through this idea, we're asking the question today what's the word? What's the word? And that's what we're going to be talking about the next several weeks is what's the word. So today we're going to be talking about how God speaks to us. And that's how we're going to be talking about it over the next three weeks. But today we're looking and when we talk about what's the word. We're going to kind of see the conversation God desires to have with us on a daily basis. So let's look at the text uh, and read a little bit. And then we'll stop and talk about it and then we'll read some more. So Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king of Israel at the time. He said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Verse two, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. You're going to see that phrase a couple of times throughout this text. Then the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Careth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want to stop right there and I want to kind of just walk through kind of where we're at so far. So we see this man named Elijah and we obviously find out through James he was a human. uh, So that helps narrow it down. Uh, He shows up on the scene, no warning We didn't go back several chapters and be like, Elijah was born to this person was born. Elijah just shows up and he doesn't show up and be like, hey guys, I'm kind of here in the Old Testament. No, he showed up large and in charge. He showed up to the king of Israel and says, hey king, uh, I serve the Lord and uh, tell you what's going to happen. There's not going to rain on this land until I pray that it rains. Matter of fact, it's not even going to do on this land until I pray that it does that. And I don't know if you've ever been the ruler of a country um but it's not exactly what a king wants to hear when he's governing a people and a land that he cares about so king ahab gets very distraught at what elijah said he doesn't like it at all uh and as you can tell he's not exactly thrilled by it the lord knows this so in verse two that's why god says hey dude why don't we bail out the east i want you to go hide somewhere and uh, and i'm going to take care of you there so he goes, he finds himself, sets himself up a nice little uh, retreat out by a brook. Now God doesn't say, the word doesn't say how long he was there. We know the total drought lasted three and a half years and the total drought lasted a couple of chapters. So we don't know how long he was there. We just know that when he got there, God had told him, I want you to go to this brook. I'll take care of you from there. When he got to the brook, God took care of him. How? ravens, ravens, ravens. I don't know how many of you planning on eating out today. But I really hope you get a waiter or a waitress. Because I would love to see your reaction. If some ravens flew up on your table and dropped your grilled chicken off. This is not a normal circumstance. Matter of fact, when God said, hey, I want you to go to this brook and I want you to stay there. And by the way, I'm going to provide for you we see Elijah in obedience to God, go. Notice what didn't take place here. We didn't see Elijah, well, the Lord, how is this going to happen? Lord, what if I hunger? God, how do I eat? God, what's going to happen if Ahab finds me? No, it says, God says, leave here. You're going to drink from the brook, and I'm going to take care of your food. And what do we see? So he went. So he went. And I don't know, you just can imagine this Elijah character just going and hanging out by a brook. That sounds kind of peaceful, right? How many of you verses going to work tomorrow would like to just go hang out by a brook all day? (laughs) I see those hands, yeah, absolutely. People looking around seeing if their boss is in the room and then they're like, that's it. He's hanging out by a brook just doing his thing. And here's what's really cool about this is because as we see Elijah in this place, We see him solely depending on the Lord, nothing else. He didn't take with him a pack. He doesn't take with him an army of people. He doesn't take surplus. It says he went to the brook. And while he was at the brook, he waited on the Lord. And in the morning, God sent ravens to bring his food. In the evening, God sent ravens to bring his food. He was by a brook, so he had water to drink all day long. Now, here's what's cool. As we walk through this chapter today, you're going to see how God kind of steps it up every single time. And as we talk about trust, and as we think about what's the word, I want us to think about the idea that just like I asked Lauren and Shane, and just like as we celebrate 60 years, which I still think is really wonderful, we hear that it's not about that, oh yeah, well the trust we had before we got married is the same trust we have now you see a progression in a building up of trust, a growth of trust, that the trust they have today was greater than it was when they got married. It was greater than it was a year ago. It was greater than it was 30 years ago. Lauren, I don't think you were alive 30 years ago. But you know what I mean. Trust is building, it's gaining, it's, it's getting stronger the more you lean on it. And this story kind of progresses in the same way, but it starts with God putting Elijah by a brook and saying, I want you to stay right here and trust in me. Now, if I were to ask every single person in this room, how many of you want to see your faith grow? I'm pretty sure every hand would go up. It might be a faith grow in God, which I would hope would be the context that you would answer the question, but it might be, you know what, I just need to trust more. I just need to have more faith. I need to get the passcode off my cell phone or whatever. I think we would all say we want our faith to grow. My question to you today is what are you doing to allow God to grow your faith? See, a little bit later in this text, we see uh, this idea that this, this flour and the oil that she makes bread, she was almost empty, that God just kept giving her more and more and more. We see a really horrific tragedy take place at the end of this chapter that God came through and answered a question. And we as believers, we get really fired up for those things. You know what I mean? We get real excited when we see God's miraculous hand at work and moving things around us to set up this really cool thing that nobody can explain unless we use the name God. We like those types of faith. We want that type of faith. But look at the type of faith God was commanding Elijah to use in this context. I want you to go by a brook and I'll take care of you from there on out. I'm going to take care of your food. The brook's going to provide you with water. I got this. Trust me. See, here's the thing. When, when Elijah's story later on in the chapter, and again, I'm not trying to look ahead, there's no way Elijah is going to have the faith needed to feed a starving widow and her son. There's no way Elijah is going to have the faith needed to do and deal with what he's going to face at the end of the chapter because it has to start somewhere. Now, some people would say, but Justin, his faith is already strong enough. Look what he said in verse 1 when he said, hey, uh, there's not going to be any rain or dew. When God commands you to do something, you do it and watch God's hand at work. Did he know there was not going to be any rain? I would imagine because he believed in the Lord of God, but God took him to a place and said, hey, I'm going to provide for you. I want you to look at your everyday routine and know that I'm providing for you. What about you? In your everyday routine, are you counting on the faith that God's provided for you to To build your faith every day? Think about your routine. Think about your expectations. Think about what you do on a common, everyday system. How much do you trust in God in that? Because if we're not trusting in God in the everyday, then don't expect to have the faith needed to get you through the really hard times. Don't expect to have that miraculous, life changing faith when we're not trusting God with our everyday things. We like this stuff when we hear about all these miracles, but where is your faith on the everyday? And how are you allowing God to develop your faith on a daily basis? Which means, and begs to answer the question, how are you trusting God today? How are you trusting God today? I mean, sure, your vehicle brought you here. Sure, you were feeling well enough to get up and come to church. Sure, you're hungry and you want me to end quickly so we can go eat. But where are you trusting God for what he's providing for you today? Well, I trust God to give me air and to make my lungs work to breathe it. Have you worshipped him for that? Are we trusting God? Or is it just something we say when we walk in this room? Elijah's faith started by the brook trusting God in the small everyday things. But secondly, if we pick up in verse 8, we read, we see that his faith and the trust that he has in God is kind of fast forwarded a little bit. Then the word of the Lord came to him. I told you all you'd see it again. Verse 9, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. That's so funny. If you look in verse 2, Uh, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, verse 5, so he did. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, go, verse 10, so he went. Y'all see a pattern here? By the way, that's what faith looks like. You don't answer faith with words, you answer faith with actions. When it comes time to trusting people, it's not lip service, it's what you do. It's not what you say. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water and a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, oh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil and a drug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So here we see Elijah hanging out by the brook. The brook dries up, and if you want to read between the lines, that's evidence that God answers prayer, church. God he walked to he said, Hey, I'm gonna pray that uh that the that the rain dries up and the dew dries up until the land is parched, and it's not gonna rain until I pray again. And God even answered his prayer, even when he was depending on the water. Be careful what you pray for, I suppose, but give God glory for what he's gonna do in it. So God said, I want you to go to this place and there's gonna be a widow there. Now I'll be honest with you, if it was me and I walk up in a strange city and I know that I'm supposed to there's supposed to be a widow here that's gonna feed me and take care of me. I'm looking for like a rich widow you know what I mean I'm looking for somebody with resources I'm looking for like the Betty Crocker of widows because this dude's hungry man this dude's got to eat Elijah thankfully was not like me when he walked up there was a lady picking up sticks outside the city gate now let me explain to you what a widow is in this context of their culture worthless this widow was worthless because women were not allowed to work and earn wages. That's what they counted on their husbands for. Obviously, she's a widow. Her husband had passed away. She had no income, which is why she's outside the city gate providing for herself by gathering sticks. She has a son that's depending on her, and she's gathering sticks. And we kind of see where she's at in her journey when he says, hey, uh, excuse me, ma'am, can I have a, can I have a, jar of water and she was obliged for that it says in scripture as she was going to get it so she was like yeah i'll get you some water it looks like a traveler i'll get you some water as she was going to get it he said oh oh by the way will you make me some bread i like bread with my water the ravens see they never mind just can i have some bread and she stops and look at her response she didn't look at him and say no we don't have much food no we don't have any bread no she turns and instantly starts talking about his God which is evidence that we see God has already been at work in her life church when God calls you to do something he's already working on the other end of it when you get there you know that right you'll never see it if you don't do what he did in verse 5 and verse 10 so he went so God was already at work. So when he asked her what she thought as an impossible question, he was just looking for something to eat. She heard an impossible question. She didn't say you're crazy. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. Look at her response to her in verse 12. As surely as the Lord, your God lives. You see how she drew that line real, 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 real quick in the sand? As surely as the Lord, your God lives, implying he ain't my God. But something's been kind of invading my world recently, and this must be it. And as surely as the Lord your God lives, you ain't getting no bread out of me. I love, I love Elijah's eternal perspective here. There's three things we can look at in his response to her. Look at this in verse 13. Look at what he said. Don't be afraid. Go home and, and do as you have said. Look are the next two words? But first. See, the word of the Lord came to Elijah to give her instructions. And when we have full trust, when we have our faith in God, we have to understand that when God shows up, he's demanding our firsts. God demands our firsts. I'm not going to ask to raise your hands because mine would go up first. How many of us have grown complacent in giving God our leftovers? That God, if I have enough, to get me through the weekend, I might put some money in the offering plate. God, you know, I've got a real, real busy week. I've got a real busy summer. If I have time, I might come and help at VBS. You know what, God? I really enjoy watching too much football to really serve you in that capacity on Sunday morning because I might stay up, I'll give you what's left over if I have it. But look at Elijah's response. It's a reflection of God's response when he calls us to do something. God's not like oh okay it's fine I'll just I'll wait back here when you're done and if you have some time I'll be no when God calls you to something but first this is what I demand of you but first this is what I'm calling you to but first this is what I'm asking of you will you respond will you trust me his perspective his response was first but first do this for me because this is what the Lord is saying Look at her her response. "Uh, Sir, I only have a handful of flour in a jar. And Elijah said, yeah, I know you got a handful of flour. It's just God's handful, not your handful. God knows exactly what you have. And God knows exactly what you need. And he's got this. She's thinking of her handful. God's trying to show her his handful. And how it never runs out. That's why he says to her in verse 13, don't be afraid. She's scared to death. She doesn't have much left. When we see something so small, God sees exactly what we need in it. And make sure it's enough. Look at what else she says. Elijah said to her, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry. I point that out to you because what Elijah didn't say is that, hey, you know what? Your jug's going to be overflowing. Your, your oil, it's just going to be like, it's going to be like a little fountain. It's going to be crazy. No, no, no. He never said anything about an abundance. And especially in our American culture, that's where we want to live. We want an abundance. We want an abundance of resources. We want a abundance of assurance. We want an abundance of answers before we even pick our foot up to take a step forward. We want to know not just are we going to have enough, but are we going to have so much more in abundance? Look, when God calls you to something, church, we've got to get to the place where when God calls us and we trust him, we don't start asking questions of what am I going to get out of it. Here's what you get out of it. To know that the glory of the Lord was revealed through you. Because it's not about you. It's like I heard that before today. I don't know what. You see that when he answers her, he's saying, hey, you know what? You're going to have enough. You're going to have enough. And when we see her actually do, when she is obedient, that's when she starts seeing, hey, you know what, there's a little more flour left. I thought I used all the oil, but there's some there. And when she did it again the next day, (laughs) I don't, I don't, this thing was empty yesterday. There's just enough here for one more loaf of bread. Which means every day that she made bread, she had to trust in the Lord to provide for her. It sounds a lot like Elijah, doesn't it? How his every day started the conversation, the word of the Lord that came from him was, hey, dude, trust me every day. I'm gonna provide for you every single day. Just trust me in the little things. And when he did, when he trusted God and he obeyed God and he goes to the next place, now it's not just Elijah's faith that's being strengthened. It's now it's being poured into a woman who doesn't even believe in the same God. She is starting to learn what trust and faith looks like. So his faith is growing. Her faith is starting And they're going to both need it. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, hang on to this church. What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry. And the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Wow. You see how every step in this chapter requires a little bit more faith, a little bit more faith, a little bit more faith. If Elijah would have walked away from Ahab and gone to this widow woman and said, you know, hey, your son's dead. Give him to me. She'd have been like, you get out of my house. It took a journey of faith that we see this. But I want you to see. Remember we talked about this fact that she was a widow and she was very poor. Think about this because men were the only ones that could have jobs, men were the only ones that could earn a living. Her hope, exactly, was her son. Because here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything I can, even though she had given up hope at one point in time, now that her hope was restored, she was developing a faith, I'm going to keep raising this son of mine whom I love, because one day he's going to be old enough to get a job, and his customary tradition was they took care of their moms as the men got older men didn't have a long uh, life expectancy so the sons would often bring in and take care of their moms and their mother-in-laws so not only did she lose a son she lost her hope she didn't just see her son whom she loved die she saw her future disappear because I've been struggling for all these years gathering sticks and gathering everything I could because nobody in society cares about me. I'm just a poor widow. But now one day I knew I was going to have a shot at this thing, but now my hope is gone. It's over. And she did a lot. a lot of us would do. She blamed God. She blamed Elijah. But look at what she said. What do you have against me, man, of God. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Now, I, wanna, I want you to delicately walk through this with me for just a little bit. She's the one that linked the death of her son with her sin. We don't know what her sin is. They might not be connected at all. All I know is that she connected these two things. So we have to be careful how we navigate this as we handle God's word appropriately. But as we see this, we, we see... A woman broken and she feels like it's her fault. Can you imagine the scene? Her son, this child, has died. And we see Elijah come to her and he said, Give me your son. And he physically took her son out of her arms and carried him to his room. It's easy for us in looking at this context, to think about a person. But I really want you to try to look deeper than the surface. And I want you to think about what is your hope built on? What is your faith founded on? When you think about your future, when you think about your tomorrow, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in a person? Are you trusting in a job? Are you trusting in a talent or a hobby? Are you putting all your faith in what's going to get you through tomorrow by what you can cultivate today? Or are you trusting in the Lord? It's real easy for us to get caught up in this idea and be like, man, this is her son. What are you talking about? I want you to look something deeper when you love something so much when you put all that hope in something when you put all your investment in something and it's taken from you like that where's your faith where's your trust are we a people and when i say we i'm talking about you i'm talking about me individually are we a people that when we face certain times where our faith is challenged do we trust god to provide or do we blame god for taking away because our response is a direct reflection of our trust. If either of these married couples, one or the other, were to come home and say, Hey, lost my job today. Do they start bickering and blaming each other? Or do they say, You know what? We're going to trust God to give us another one. Where's your faith, church? This woman, again, angry, angry. Is that why God sent you here? Because of my sin? Maybe the whole son thing was connected to her sin. That sounds like us too, isn't it? We get this thing that, you know, I'm fine. I can handle it. doesn't consume me. It actually gets me further down the road. It actually helps me have fun. I have this, this little thing, this little sin that I got. This I know it's not exactly what I should be doing. What happens when you're confronted with the fact that it's time to give it over? Can you let go of something that does not reflect your faith in the Lord? Can you let it go? Can you? Can you stop drinking because it's destroying your family? Can you stop going to that one place because you know it's not helpful? Can you stop looking at those websites? I'm talking to dad, I'm talking to mom. Can you stop looking at those websites? Because it's warping you? But Justin, nobody knows. You're right. God's not a nobody. Can you, can you hand that over? That death that you're holding on to, that's just right. can you hand that over? Do you trust God to provide and take care of every need you have if you let it go? This widow, she was at a crossroads. She had seen a faith introduced to her. She had seen daily, we don't know for how long we, she had seen daily how God was providing and now it's time for her to actually have faith. It's easy to say like, well, I'm so glad for this man of God because his trust here is making sure we have oil and flour but now it was time for her faith, for her to trust God. God. Remember, church, we talked about this. Our faith isn't built on impossible situations. Our faith is built through trusting God in the everyday situations and circumstances of life. That's how it's built, not in the impossible. And look at verse 22. It says, the Lord heard Elijah's cry. James 5, we get kind of an introduction to Elijah but we also see in James chapter 5 verse 15 and 16 that the Lord hears the prayer of a righteous the Lord responds when people cry out to him Mm. when he did God responded he cried out three times which means mom dad don't give up your kid is worth it whether they're a student or a child don't give up keep crying out to God He's faithful. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Up to this point in time, every time the word of the Lord came to Elijah, pretty good results. And when we see God's faithfulness, when we see God respond, the boy drew breath and he lived again. And look at verse 24. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth you know what she didn't say she didn't say and that the word of the lord your god no she said the word of the lord recognizing his sovereignty church you know how all this amazing incredible stuff happened because elijah trusted god in the little things Elijah trusted God in the little things. It wasn't one of those things where he's sitting back saying, well, God, I need you to show me how you're going to take care of me along the way. I need a business plan for you. No, no, no. When God calls, he said yes. Because it's not usually until the first mile marker that you start seeing God's miraculous hand at work, how he's been providing for you the whole way. But you'll never see it if you don't take the first step going down the road of faith. It doesn't start if we're not trusting God, if we're not trusting the word of the Lord, what's the word of the Lord leading you to do? Well, Justin, I don't I don't hear from the word. <clears throat> you got one of these? You don't have to be a minister or on staff to be used by God when He speaks to you. And when He's calling you and He's created you to do something and He's pushing you down the road to say, Hey, I've got something amazing for you. All you got to do is go, I'll take care of the details. What's the word of the Lord leading you to do? Did you know that when God is calling you to something, he's already provided every means necessary for you to do it? That's just who he is. He's not doing it for your sake. He's not doing it for your name. He's doing it for his glory. Are you going to trust him in that? I asked you earlier, how much do you really trust the Lord? Not just lip service. How much are you trusting God every single day? Are you trusting him to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do it. you know, not, not too long from now, we're going to have deacon nominations in which our church looks to men to serve and lead. You know, there have been years in the past, we don't even have to have a, a deacon election because so many people have said no to it. The only ones that said yes, we just, they're just the deacons because we have men that are unwilling to serve. you going to trust God in that maybe? Is that, is that what God's calling you to do? Maybe God's calling you to teach Sunday school, lead a small group, do something that you've never done before. Can you imagine? What if God's already taking care of everything? What if God's already working on the other end of that, the people that you'll be directly loving and ministering to? You'll never know if you say no. You still struggling with with tithing? Is it because you don't trust God? Because he provides everything he's called you to do for his glory, for his name's sake. How much do you trust God? What's the word of the Lord telling you to do? And will you trust God to provide? That'll determine whether or not you say yes. Yes. Will you trust God to provide for what he's calling you to do? That'll determine whether you say yes or no. Trust him today and see what he has for you down the road. Can I pray for you? God, we look at this story, we look at Elijah, and I'll be honest, it doesn't make sense to me. But I'm so thankful that's why we have this account that we look to a man who trusted you wholeheartedly, that didn't have to have all the answers, that didn't have to have a plan, that didn't have to have somebody to go with him, but God, he just trusted you. Father, in the same regard, you're calling people from this church to step out. You're calling people from this church to lead. You're calling people from this church to serve. You're calling people from this church that profess Jesus as Lord to just be obedient And their trust in you will determine whether or not they go. God, I know in your provision you would have provided and done whatever it is you would have wanted to do to bring glory to your name. But there's a widow and a son whose lives wouldn't be the same if Elijah would have said no. So God, as you are continuing to call and equip and raise up people in this church to serve you. I'd give them the same confidence that Elijah said to the widow when he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because when the word of the Lord comes, there is no power that exists that can stop it. May we be a place, may we be a people of faith that believe that. Father, for the person in this room. they don't even trust you, God, let them know not to be afraid, that you love them, that you're calling to them so that they may know you in a real way. God, today, if there's somebody here that wants to trust you for the first time, May they respond. May they just walk down this aisle, talk to me, talk to somebody here, God. May they just be obedient to respond. God, if there's a believer in this room who's hanging on to something that they think they're in control of, they're hanging on to something that they're putting their hopes in, anything, God, that we're hanging on to that's not you, God, will you just show us how dead that is? And then show us that we can trust you enough to hand it over to you that you will bring back to us life. Something that we craved the whole time and we never knew. it. God, whatever it is this morning, may we follow and respond in obedience to what you're calling us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing. Just as I...